Good morning and greetings to each of you in Jesus' name this morning. It's good to be here to worship with you all again. It seems like it's been a little while. And looking at the uh, looking at my schedule with the Fall Bible Conference, we'll probably try to come in and take that in. And it's going to seem like we're here all the time for a little bit. So uh, I guess it's kind of how things go in life. In thinking about my assignment to speak here this morning, I'm not sure when it was, a couple weeks ago, I think. I uh, was thinking about it, and I felt the Lord leading me to a certain subject. I felt Him leading me to speak on the subject of the Lord's Day. And then I was privileged on Friday morning at the Minister's Study Week out in Ohio to hear Brother Dwayne Eby speak on this subject as well, so that kind of spurred a few thoughts. But today we're gathered here on the day of the week that we know as Sunday. And it's a day that was once widely held as a day of rest, a day of cessation from normal work and activities. And we find ourselves in a time when that has changed drastically. I look back and in my memory of roughly probably close to 45 years of, of reasonably good memory of, of things in this area. And there's a tremendous change. Sunday to our society has just become another day of, uh, for pleasure, a day for business, a day of going about life as any other day of the week. And I believe that this shift, this change in our society has come about for a variety of reasons. But I think that the greatest reason for this change and this shift is because of the dramatic shift in our society away from God and away from His principles. And at the same time, a move towards individualism. The idea that life is about me. It's about my enjoyment. It's about me doing what I want. So you couple that idea of life's about me with a drift away from God, and it's going to bring some significant changes. So we see that change, that, that shift in our society over the last 30 or 40 years. And we need to be honest with ourselves that if it hasn't already affected our thinking, it will, unless we are vigilant, unless we know where we stand and have convictions for it. So this sermon 
is actually a sermon that I preached a good many years ago, and I've pulled it back out, and I've made a lot of changes to it. But, and I didn't forget what year it was, but shortly before I had originally preached this message, I had heard a message by Brother Randy Horst from up in Maryland, and he was talking about changes in our culture, and he had asked an old man, he didn't say how old, but he asked an old man, he said, what are some of the things that have changed our culture the most in the past hundred years? And one of the things that that old man said was that the lack of observance of the Lord's day is a day of rest and worship. It had a large impact on our culture. And I thought that was interesting. That was coming from somebody that would have observed a tremendous amount of change. I'm assuming this older person was probably in their 80s or 90s and had seen this huge shift within society. So there's been a steady move of, of Sunday becoming just another day of the week. And I don't feel like I'm all that old, but I remember when the blue laws, they called them, were repealed in the city of Harrisonburg. And the blue laws were laws that were on the books that restricted business activity on Sunday. That happened probably about 40 years ago. Before that, there would have been, and John can probably help me with this, but there would have been, I think, a few service stations that would have been open. Maybe, maybe a few convenience store type things. There would have been a, a little bit of retail if you need it, had an emergency, but just about everything within the city of Harrisonburg was closed on Sunday. Roughly 40 years ago, that was repealed. Now, just about all retail establishments and almost all restaurants are open on Sunday. But what's interesting is the one out on East Market that is not open on Sundays, it during the other six days of the week is one of the busiest places at 12 noon. And so maybe we can learn a lesson from that. So today, very few people, uh, let me, let me, let me back up. In that era, very few people would have considered going out and doing unnecessary work of any kind on Sunday. But today, people do their shopping on Sunday, they go out to eat on Sunday, they mow their lawn on Sunday, they work, they do whatever on Sunday. There's been a great change. 
So, how do we respond? I know how we often respond to these types of things. We look on and we criticize and we grump about it. You know, all this retail business, all these things going on on Sunday just isn't good. And that's kind of human nature. We we don't appreciate it. We complain about it. That's kind of where it ends. If that's where it ends, you will likely get swept along with the change. Because when all we're doing is looking on at the changes and, and complaining about these changes and how it's not honoring to God, we're focusing on the problem, not focusing on building a foundation for ourselves in our own lives. Foundation built on biblical principles. So I'd like to look at some biblical principles that hopefully build us a foundation to appreciate and honor the Lord's Day as a day of rest, a day of worship, a day of cessation from our normal activities. I invite you to turn to Genesis 2. Just going to be reading a, a number of scattered scriptures this morning to bring out a few thoughts for us to consider. Genesis 2, and I'd like to read the first three verses. This is the, the end of the creation account. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. So what I want us to see here is that the seventh day God took as a day of rest. At creation. So this is a creation principle. It isn't a law of Moses principle. It's not a New Testament principle necessarily, but it's a creation principle. So why did God rest? We're told in Isaiah 40, verse 28, that the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. So we know that God is all-powerful. God does not suffer the physical and mental fatigue that you and I do from physical and mental work. But yet it says that God rested. So that term rest that's used here can also be interpreted as ceased. So in other words, on the seventh day, so God spent six days creating all the things in creation. Then on the seventh day, He ceased from His creation activity. So yes, it was not just a ceasing, but it was a rest in that there was no more activity. 
So what can we learn from that? There was a commentator that said something very interesting, a very interesting observation. In taking this principle and applying it to us, he said this, that God took this day of rest to look with satisfaction on His creation. So what did God say each day as He created things? He said, and God saw that it was good. And so I believe that this commentator is right, that when God was done creating, He looked at what He had created and He enjoyed it. He, he maybe we could say He reveled in the goodness of what He had done. And we're like that. We do, we do something, we make something, we, we step back and we, we look at it and we enjoy it. You know, if you've ever done, done a project like remodeling a house or something where when you're done, you walk through and you marvel at the change that you, that you brought about. Uh, Janet and I, a couple of years ago, refinished some old cabinets uh, to put in our basement. And uh, the change, I still go down there sometimes and just look at them and marvel because I know what they looked like when we started and what they look like now. And it's, it was very good. And I think that's what God did here on the seventh day. He, he ceased His work and He looked upon what He had done. So this commentator says that God took this day of rest to look with satisfaction on His creation. In doing so, he set the example that we, his creation, should take a day of rest to look and reflect upon our Creator. Think about that. As God created us in the world as we know it, all the beautiful things, all the wonderful things, and he rested and, and looked at what he created, the example that we can take is that we should take a day to rest, to cease from our labors, and to look to Him, our Creator. So we can talk about physical benefits of taking a day of rest. And there are physical benefits. It's been proven. In fact, I read somewhere a long time ago that even within mechanical things, it has been proven that a time, a period of rest is beneficial. So God knew that, that there was a physical need for it. Our bodies needed a break from the normal work schedule. Now, I'll be honest, I'm dreading going back to work tomorrow because there's a lot of work in front of me. We need that break from that constant pressure of, uh, and demands of our schedules. But yet, while God instituted a day to rest for our physical good, I believe that the sentiment of this commentator expresses a much deeper reason for taking a day of rest and a day of worship. And that reason is 
for our spiritual good. That God wants us, His creation, to cease from that normal activity and look to Him. To look on His goodness and to ponder our responsibility to Him. You know, as we ponder today our responsibility to God, it is preparing us to go forth into the week of work that's before us. And I believe that when we cease to take that day of rest and worship, the things of this life are going to start to crowd out the things of God. I had to think of the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full in His Wonderful Face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And I think when we cease to separate a day from the other days, a day of rest and worship, that the opposite is true, that our focus is going to become more and more upon earthly things. And the things of God are going to start to grow strangely dim as the things of the life and of the world crowd out the things of, of God, the things of greater importance. So we might need or be blessed by a day of physical rest, a day of physical recuperation from the work that we've done. But more importantly, we need a day to look upon the Lord and to reflect on His goodness and upon our responsibility to Him. So, God instituted this day, this special day at creation. And I'm not going to spend much time looking at the Old Testament observance of the Sabbath. But God instituted when the law of Moses was given, and let me just as a side note say that Brother Dwayne Eby on Friday in the talk he gave pointed out something I'd never thought about before. But between creation and the giving of the law of Moses, we have no record of Sabbath observance of any kind. So we don't know what may or may not have taken place in that time period. But when God gave the law of Moses, He commanded His people that they must take the seventh day, which was Saturday, as a day of rest. And it was so important that it was actually to be enforced by the penalty of death if it was broken. Exodus 31.14 says, Ye shall keep the Sabbath therefore, for it is holy unto you, or set apart. Every one that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doeth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. But you know, there was that strict command that, that the Sabbath is a holy day. You are not to do any work. You're not to be involved in the, the buying and selling, etc. Did that, did that ensure 
that there was always a day of rest? No. If you read in the Old Testament and the prophets, one of the repeating offenses of God's people against him was that they failed to honor his Sabbath as he had commanded. So the command wasn't enough. So I believe that that's an example to us that we need to have within our heart an understanding of the principle that God put in place at creation and an appreciation for it and for the benefit of it or we too will lose the principle. The law will never be enough to keep us where we should be. We can make all the rules we want regarding a day of rest and worship. But most importantly, it must be within us the desire to do this. And that's why we see the shift in society towards more and more business activity and pleasure activity on Sunday. Because at one point, there was a law in place that prevented it. But while the law was in place, the moral fabric of society, the moral fibers of society broke down to the point that people said, why do we have these laws? They had lost the principle within their heart. And there was no biblical foundation to continue. And so the laws were repealed. And today... You can drive down the street and you're going to be hard-pressed to find a store or a restaurant that's not open. So we live in the New Testament era and we observe a day of rest and worship on Sunday or what has become known as the Lord's Day. And I want to think a little bit about that and why we call it the Lord's Day and why we worship on Sunday. There is only one reference in the New Testament to the Lord's Day. And if I'm wrong, correct me afterwards. But the only reference I know of is where in Revelations 1, John, in, in, in speaking of the revelation that was given to him, he said, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And so it was on the Lord's day that John received the revelation. So what was the Lord's day? The Lord's day was the day that the Lord Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. We do also have a number of references in the New Testament to the first day of the week, same day that the day that Jesus rose. In John 20, 19, we see that that evening, Jesus' disciples were gathered together the first day of the week behind closed doors. Then later in that chapter, a week later, they were again gathered together on the first day of the week. That was right after 
the resurrection. Again, something I learned from Brother Dwayne Eby, and I researched this to be sure it was right, and it is, the day of Pentecost was on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. The Holy Spirit came and filled the believers and instituted what we know as the church on the Lord's Day. And there's some other references that would indicate that the early believers met together on Sunday, the Lord's Day. Also, there are references in early church history that that was the day that the church met. So Jesus, I don't have the reference, but Jesus said that He came to fulfill the law. So the law of Moses brought the command to have the Sabbath. Jesus said, I come to fulfill that. So we don't observe the law of Moses anymore. So the change, the change came between observing the law of Moses and following after Christ, who was raised on the Lord's day. So I mentioned how the Jews of Jesus' day and, and prior had missed the point, missed some of the intents of the Sabbath. Uh, actually, I don't think I mentioned that earlier, but the, the Jews in Jesus' day had, had elevated this day of rest to such a degree that it was hard to exist without breaking the Sabbath. One point, sometime or another, in, in my studying, I had read that uh, the Jews of Jesus' day would say that on, on the Sabbath, that if you spit on the ground, if you spit on a rock, that was okay. But if you spit on the dirt, that was not okay because you were working because that made mud and you were, you were working. See, they, they totally missed the point of a day of rest. So how can we focus on the right thing without becoming legalistic like they did? I think we need to get to avoid getting to a point where we say, well, if I do this, then I've observed the Sabbath. Or if I don't do that, then I've observed a proper Lord's Day. I think we need to be open to God's leading. I think we need to remember that there in the book of Revelation, it is called the Lord's Day. John didn't say, no, on my day, that I had taken a break from everything. God gave me this revelation. He said it was on the Lord's Day. Notice, when we say the Lord's Day, we are giving ownership of that day to Him. And if we give ownership of the day to the Lord, isn't that going to change our view of the day? 
what we want to do with the day. So I think it's good of us to call this the first day of the week the Lord's Day. There's nothing wrong with referring to it as Sunday. But when we refer to it as the Lord's Day, I think it is a reminder that we need. It's a reminder that it's a day that's different. It's, it serves a different purpose. It should be a day... So, so, so what should the Lord's Day be to us? I do believe it should be a day of rest. A day of laying aside our normal work and refraining from other unnecessary work. All of us do certain things that could be deemed work on the Sabbath. On the, on, no, don't want to use the term Sabbath. On the Lord's Day. Uh, but... The idea is unnecessary work. Or activities that cause other people to do unnecessary work. So that serves to provide us with that day of rest. It serves to demonstrate to us that it is a different day, that it has a different purpose. If all we did was went to church and then we went to work, it would really blur the lines about what this day is about. But when we lay our work aside, it really helps us to focus in on spiritual things because we've laid the temporal things of this life aside. The Lord's Day should also be a day of worship, a day of of coming together to worship Him, studying His Word, Worship of God, of our Creator, is another thing that will help us to keep a correct focus if we lay aside our work, but we don't worship, your work will likely creep right back in. So we lay our work aside and we worship. The Lord's Day should also be a day of restoration for our bodies and our souls. Our souls are restored through our worship, through our fellowship together as believers. And physically, it can be a good day to just simply not have the busyness of life, the physical activity, the mental stress that the other days might bring. A day of spiritual nourishment building each other up. Familiar verse in Hebrews 10.25, he said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What better day to do that than on the Lord's day? Together collectively to study God's word, to encourage one another as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And you know, Part of that encouragement isn't verbal encouragement. Just simply being here with you all. Knowing that we're all serving the same Lord. We're all following the same Master. We're all striving for the same thing is a tremendous spiritual encouragement. And if you aren't taking that day of of rest and worship on the Lord's day, you're missing it. Taking... The Lord's Day is a day of rest and worship. 
also helps to take our focus off of ourselves. We become pretty important in our own eyes in many ways. And to, the Lord's Day is a day to refocus, recenter our lives on Him. The Lord's Day is also a day that we should use to bless others. Jesus made it clear in spite of the opposition of the Pharisees that it was, it's appropriate to do good, to bless others on the Lord's Day. Jesus was healing on the Lord's Day and they said, no, don't, not on the Lord's Day, on the Sabbath. And they're saying, don't, don't do that. But Jesus made it clear that it is appropriate to do good things, to bless others on the Lord's Day. It's a good day to visit the sick, the elderly, etc. James 1.27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. The Lord's Day is an excellent day to put that verse in practice. The Lord's Day is also a reminder of a coming time of heavenly rest, of rest from our labors here on earth, of rest from the, the pressures of sin and temptation that we face in this life. And I'd like to read a few verses from Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, verses 8 and 9. King James says, For if Jesus had given them rest, and that Jesus is actually speaking of the Old Testament Joshua, the name Jesus is the Greek variant of that. So it's speaking of the Old Testament Joshua, so I'll just read it that way. For if Joshua had given them rest, and remember Joshua is the one that brought them into the promised land. If Joshua had given them rest, then he would, not, would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. So he's speaking of a future rest. And that rest is a heavenly rest. So taking a weekly day of rest can help us to remember that just as we are taking a day of physical rest, God has promised an eternal day of rest. Someone wrote this. Neglect of the Lord's day means a speedy lapse into heathenism as manifest in every community where it has been done. That's an interesting quote. Neglect of the Lord's Day means a speedy lapse into heathenism as manifest in every community where it has been done. And I assume the writer of that was speaking from their personal observation. If you and I agree in any way with what that writer said, that, that the neglect of practicing the, uh, a day of rest and worship on the Lord's Day will lead to heathenism, if we in any way agree with that, 
we will carefully guard our own personal observance of the Lord's day as a day of rest and worship to avoid any move towards heathenism. And if we're going to safeguard it, as I said, we need personally to recognize the fact that it is instituted by God as a creation principle. It's for our benefit physically and our benefit and encouragement spiritually to take such a day. But it is also for God's honor and glory. He should be the ultimate focus and goal of taking a day away from our normal work and activity. It's a blessing to us. It guides us. It helps us. But most importantly, it should be bringing honor and glory to Him. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. I thought about it. But uh, how many of you know that our conference has a position paper on appropriate Lord's Day observance? And I thought about printing out a bunch of copies of that and bringing it along, and I didn't do it. But I did think that if I remember, I'm going to try to email that out to all the congregations so you can read it. Because I know we have these position papers, and maybe you've seen them, and maybe you have a copy, but probably either you don't or you don't know where it's at. So I'll try to remember to do that today or tomorrow. It gives us some guidance. It gives us some direction in what's appropriate. If we're going to continue with the biblical principle in spite of what's going on around us in the world. But just a few guidelines that we can use personally to determine what's appropriate on the Lord's day. We can ask ourselves, does this activity bring honor and glory to God? Does this activity promote the concept of rest and refreshment that is based on God's example of of a day of rest? Or does this activity enhance or detract from the spiritual nature of the Lord's day? See, if we ask ourselves some of those things, it will help us to it'll help us to see where we're at and our attitudes and our practices. So my prayer is that we would all develop a real appreciation of the blessing of observing the Lord's day as a day of rest, a day of spiritual refreshment, a day of physical refreshment, and a day of honoring Him rather than going about our normal activities. May God bless you. We have a song.